Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. Well, I'm going to have to say it belatedly, but hey, everybody, happy Lucas Mancini Day. Happy Lucas Mancini Day. Yes, my birthday has passed. It's come and gone. I'm now 22 years of age, half of 44. (laughs) Yeah, but you're you're still quite young yet. Now, I understand how people... How people feel when I'm like, oh, I'm so old, I'm 27. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, congratulations. Hey, I was, I was wondering this, um, where did you get the idea to call it Lucas Mancini Day? Did you get it from Baxter Day, from Arthur? Oh, maybe subconsciously. Yeah? I just liked, uh, this goes way back to when I was in, like, junior high school. I just like acting like a petulant child. <laughs> you know, so I sort of adopt a gimmick, if it were, of like, you know, that kid in a sailor suit with a big lollipop. It was just like, it's my birthday! It's my birthday! Like, some horrible, horrible... <laughs> anyway, I, I find it funny to sort of play that character, so okay. I, I sort of adopted the Lucas Mancini Day shtick. And um, my friends get a kick out of it, so I don't do it as much, but these days I still like to bring it up. Well, I think it's better than what I do. Like, I am so in the middle on a lot of things, but I am also very much like I don't I feel weird about celebrating my birthday but I want people to celebrate it for me which is completely unreasonable because it's just like oh I don't care and then I just like want people to be like no it's your birthday we should do stuff but it's like people I get it like I forget my friends birthdays all the time why should they remember mine it's because we were raised on 90s cartoons and everybody's always throwing su- each other surprise parties like <laughs> left and right that's right and I've, I don't think I've ever met someone who's been thrown a surprise and I don't party want, and I don't want a surprise party I don't like surprises oh, I think I've as a kid, I was always way into the fantasy of the surprise party. Like, and you know, there's like a kajillion of those Arthur episodes, or not Arthur we episodes, are, well, just we, cartoon episodes of general where someone's like, everybody forgot about my birthday the whole episode. And it's right. like, oh, don't let them figure out the surprise. Well, we've already had our like surprise birthday episode. Uh, That's true, we have. Which, I, oh, it feels like a lifetime ago. Which is uh, not the episodes we're talking about today on. Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Thanks a lot for joining me. Of course, uh, Lucas Mancini is my co-host, the man who's had his own day just recently. My name is Will Young. Thank you very much for joining me. We've got two episodes as usual. I mean, well, it's one episode in two parts as usual. However... Uh, recently, we've had a spike in the uh, the emails Ooh, that we've been receiving. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, so last week, we had a very lengthy one from listener Gareth. And this week, he wanted to reply with a shorter one okay. and uh, clarify a few points and uh, use it as a jumping off. So Gareth, thank you once again for the email. Hello, gentlemen. He begins. I, enjoy hear- I enjoyed hearing you guys respond to my email last week. I won't go on a tirade nearly as long this time. Well, I feel like a tirade... I think uh, I was the one who went more on a tirade. I was going to say, like, tirade almost, to me, sounds like it's, like, there's anger in it, or just, like, but I don't, I didn't feel any anger. I just felt that there was a lot of, uh, like myself, attention to detail, which well, I appreciate. It sounded like he had binged a little bit on the episode, so he had a lot to get off his chest, That's which right. I appreciated all, as well. It was all saved up. I wanted to respond to one thing. 
Lucas said. <laughs> I was pretty surprised you didn't believe the Arthur characters ever refer to themselves as humans, especially considering it has happened a number of times in the episode you've already discussed. We may have put the disclaimer out there of maybe it's happened, we don't remember, but... We did kind of say, like, I feel like we, I feel, I, I if I remember correctly, I feel like the response would have been, we would have remembered that if they did it. I don't know. I, I And I think the other thing is, like, my, the main thing I cited, not to get too ahead of Gareth here, but the main thing I keep citing in my mind is I remember vividly one of my favorite Arthur episodes, the one where Art Garfunkel shows up. Um, and that whole time he's singing about yep. a bunny. Oh, so Gareth tackles this. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, Lucas requested some quotations for this. And while I would love to go through and find every example, <laughs> I unfortunately don't have the time or patience. I understand. However, here are the ones that I have from memory. So in one that we've covered already, Arthur and the Real Mr. Ratburn, and we talked about this at the time. Uh, go back and check out that. I believe that's the second episode of the show. It's just as good as it was now. Or whatever, whatever that was. I tried to say, uh, Buster. Remember, Buster says, "Get with it, Arthur. We're not dealing with a human being here." Oh, right. So and that's, we that's and we one. did comment on it when we were listening mm-hmm. to that. Uh, then jumping ahead to a few seasons uh, beyond where we are in "You Are Arthur," which he says the Arthur version of Hardcore Henry. You remember that one, the first person episode? Yes, I do remember. Th- it's like the marathon, right? Yes. Yes. And then uh, Arthur, Arthur pretends to be a pirate with Pal, instructs him to dig up the buried treasure. Pal returns with a bone. Arthur says, human treasure, not dog treasure, etc. That's not to mention that in nearly every episode, they use words like people in person. Maybe they do, and I just totally don't notice it. Yeah, there's maybe some cognitive dissonance going on. Lucas mentioned that later in the series, Buster is referred to as a sad bunny. <laughs> but this is a quote from Art Garfunkel. <laughs> It gets better. Who seems to be a deity of some sort in the Arthur universe. He speaks only to the camera and has a complete awareness of events he was not present for. (laughs) So I think, oh man. You know what? That episode obviously can't come up fast enough, but like, like we'll put a pin in this parking lot this and for later, like Art, Art Garfunkel is... God? Question mark. He either that or like the Marvel Universe's The Watcher. The Watcher. Yeah, like <laughs> some sort of demigod. This is something to put a pin in for when we get to this episode later. Oh, yeah. it's, it's definitely a cross that bridge when we get to its situation. I personally can't wait for the musical episodes, and that is no exception. Ultimately, I'd say it depends on who's writing the episode. Some episodes will be played completely straight, where characters are entirely human, save their designs, and others will play up the more fantastic elements. Thanks, Gareth. Well. Uh, appreciate that, Gareth. We'll have yeah, to, I I'll, love that email. Yeah, I'll have to be. I'll have to pay a little bit more attention to that. Remember, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com if you'd like to interact with us here on the show. And if you don't want us to read your email on the air, uh, that's fine too. Just uh, make sure you let us know. Okay, so today's episodes, we're going to start it off with Bully for Binky, and of course, this one starts off. Uh, right on the uh, the evil Binky note. This uh, this was interesting in that I just watched the episode of the original Star Trek series okay. where Kirk splits into good Kirk and evil Kirk. Okay. So immediately I was just like, oh, that's evil Binky. <laughs> so it's like Binky was involved in some kind of transporter accident and the good Binky is the one that plays clarinet and the evil one is the one that bursts through the double doors of the cafeteria and demands dessert, the dessert toll. <laughs> you, got, you, got, you got to pay the troll toll if, the you, troll want the, toll. if you want this boy. 
boy soul. See, this reminded me of something I've just been watching as well. I've been watching the uh, Giant Bomb series, the yeah. the series Beast in the East, where they play the video oh, game Yakuza nice. Zero. I've been thinking about checking that out. Uh, and in episode two, they encounter a character called Mr. Shakedown, <laughs> who is this very large Japanese man who demands money. No, first he demands to fight you if you don't give him money. Uh-huh. And so I was like, oh my goodness, Binky is the Arthur Universe's Mr. Shakedown. Shakedown. Not bad. Or, I forget his name, but the big guy from Friday, who everybody was scared of, he would just oh, take their stuff. played by Tony Lister. Yes, yes. Yeah. He just got knocked out. Uh, that guy. That's the other. Yep, it's yep. sort of an, a popular archetype. The person who is so big that they'll just demand things from yeah, people. Yeah, for serious. And so, Binky, enacting this troll-like tax of desserts, takes away Brain's cupcake. And here in this opening, Binky has, has some horrid chewing noises <laughs> like my girlfriend has a big thing about it was actually kind of in the quote-unquote news recently about how like misophonia about how like if you get irrationally irritated when people chew or like snap their fingers anyway for my girlfriends she can't listen to the sound of herself eating yeah. so she has to have something on in the background to focus on and i'm just thinking of her and just like my god this is the most like blatant like chewing and he's like he puts it in his mouth he's like and then and then he also he always follows it up with a burp and it doesn't so much sound like a burp it's more of like his body like rejecting whatever he put in his stomach he's just like Ugh. oh jeez like it's real guttural it still doesn't hold a candle to the all-time worst arthur chewing which is the uh oh the cereal episode where he's eating the cereal the whole episode Oh, he's just he, yeah. he he's always got like a mouth half full of cereal. It's like he's a uh, a baseball umpire filled with chewing tobacco. <laughs> like um so Arthur's kind of talking to the camera about how Binky was kind of always a bully. Uh they go back to preschool where Arthur is going to color a rainbow and Binky steals the crayons and I thought this was funny of <laughs> I noticed this when I was a kid too of like for a, for one line little baby Arthur kind of gets a Boston accent, speaking of where Elwood City is. Oh. But, but, you know, it's like, he, his first one's like, I'm going to color a rainbow. And he's got, you know, the WR thing. But then he kind of goes, can we share the crayons? I need to color a rainbow. And he's like, can we share the crayons? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to draw a rainbow over Beantown. Boyston. Over here. And yeah, it was really funny. Baby Arthur as played by Ben Affleck. <laughs> Or Casey. Casey. Yeah, both, any of the Affleck brothers. Yeah, either one of them. Binky, this is also sort of a, a divine justice. Not only does he steal Arthur's crayons, yeah. uh, but when Arthur asks to have one to draw his rainbow, Binky bestows upon him the, the white, white crayon. Yeah, of The most useless crayon of them all. Absolutely. Unless, Ar- unless Arthur's drawing on charcoal paper, he's out of luck. Uh, and, then, and then Binky blocking an older Arthur and Buster as they're trying to watch a parade and he's just so large that they can't see whereas I was just like just move like it's really not that difficult I mean Binky probably would have moved with them what I thought was funny about that though was Arthur was using that as an example that Binky takes no days off from bullying <laughs> Mr. No Days Off yeah, B. That's, Barnes that's right he's Mr. Uh, Darren Young Barnes <laughs> Mr. D. Mr. D. Young No Ma- Days Off maybe to fix his bullying problem we need to get Bob Backlund here to help we're Binky gonna, do a hundred are you, jumping are you, jacks. Are you saying we're going to make Binky Barnes great again? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Let's <laughs> move on. Um, and then Binky takes Arthur's uh, cookie. And okay, so this is this was a misheard one that I that I know what it sounds like now. But when I was younger, 
I thought Arthur said this. So the actual line he says, what do you do about a bully who's also huge? And it's just like he's like he's peeking from out behind Binky and it's just like to demonstrate his size. When I was younger, I thought he said, what do you do about a bully that's also cute? Aww. And I was like, I, at first I thought he was talking about Sue Ellen and then I'm just like, oh no, maybe he's talking about Binky <laughs> when, I was, when I was younger. But I was just like, what a weird thing to say. The only example I can think of off the top of my head of a bully that's also cute is like the ladybug from Bugs Life. Oh, Francis. He was he was kind of mean. Yeah. He, was, he was he was a little rude, but he was also kind of a little cutie. Well, he was voiced by Dennis Leary, so of course he's going to be <laughs> a little bit rude. So the episode is about trying to draft an anti-Binky plan because Binky is going full into bully mode. Uh, which is kind of different than where we've seen him so far. He's been kind of a little bit halfway the in and halfway out of bullying. Like sometimes we see him, he's okay. Other times he's like in full tough mode. So right now he's on his mean street. He is very much. Um, and they're they're kind of trying to draft up any weaknesses he may have. Arthur it's very analytical. Like they're very like yeah. be, uh, the brain sort of leads the discussion. I think he's the it's one like, who draws the diagram. Yeah, it's of like Binky. he's it's like he's big, he's strong, his his large, his cumbersome feet root him solidly to the ground. They're using the scientific method to sort of find a solution to the Binky problem. Arthur is a great line. He's like a tree except without the birds. <laughs> and, and then they kind of switch to outside. I kind of thought this was funny. Of you know, there's Binky kind of doing some background bullying. Uh, George is playing basketball. And he doesn't really do anything. What he does is he grabs the basketball, throws it behind him, sinks a basket, and then George just grabs it again. So here's the thing is he... he, Oh, so this is when he sinks the basket. That's right. Because I was not impressed with Binky's basketball form in this episode. We've actually seen a surprising... A lot of basketball play in Arthur thus far, and everybody's been pretty solid, with the exception of that one time where Arthur was embarrassed (laughs) by DW. Uh, Everybody's had proper form, you know, their legs spread apart, good good shot quality. Well, and Binky's the kind of kid you want on a basketball team, not because he's, you know, (laughs) but but because he can goon it up, especially if you're playing street rules. He's he's your your power center. He's your Shaq, your... You're Timothy Mozgov. You're your Andre Igad not Andre Igadala. He's your uh, uh, Andrew Bogut okay. of the team. I'll take your word for it, but yeah, exactly. Um, so Buster's plan is that they could feed Binky so much, so many desserts, he'll get too slow to chase us. Essentially, give him juvenile diabetes. Oh my goodness! But uh, then Arthur, <laughs> but if we're gonna give Binky all these cardiovascular problems. <laughs> Essentially, I'm just like we're gonna ruin him for 30 years later. <laughs> He's gonna carry this into adulthood. Uh, it's gonna mess up his glucose levels. <laughs> and <laughs> Arthur, the pessimist, just says that's not a good idea. He'll probably just fall on us and flatten us. But it, mm-hmm. like half the plan is. Is that he won't be able to chase you, so you'd have to be sitting sitting directly under him for you to fall on him, for him to fall on you. Not not the not the most far sighted plan by either of them. So Binky is kind of again doing some background bullying, and uh, then manages to get in the way of Sue Ellen, who's trying to go over the record of jump roping, and then just kind of throws a throws a basketball. Or something so this her. is so this is where I really took issue with Binky's form. He tries a one handed shot oh, at the uh, basketball, okay, yeah, 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 and it ba- completely misses. Nothing. He gets nothing on that, of course. Yeah. Uh, and it rebounds and it hits. It it's interrupts Sue Ellen's yeah. jump rope, which he which he's all in favor for. He's just creating chaos at this point. That's right. He embraces it and he says, "You talked about baby talk earlier." He <laughs> says, "Would you lose count on your?" 
widow jump wope. Yeah. It's like, geez, Binky, really, not a lot of subtlety there. But then, uh, since Sue Ellen is kind of the new kid there, she takes exception to this and kind of steps up. She's just like, I was going for the record, you clumsy oaf. And he's like, you talking to me, pipsqueak? <laughs> and then Francine kind of has to intervene and be like, you haven't going, been going to the school very long, Sue Ellen. That's Binky Barnes. And Binky has a great line here. I mean, these are spoilers. Binky's great in this episode. Uh, he says, you tell her. Get to know the name. B-I-N. <laughs> kind of takes a pause. K.Y. Barnes. <laughs> yeah, it's, this was great. Biggie's timing in this was fantastic. It's, it's like can't spell his first name and then decides not to spell his last name. <laughs> Just K.Y. Barnes. Uh, Swellen putting this strong in. Speaking of names, Swellen Armstrong, she yeah. won't back down. No, true. She's stepping up. And I sort of uh, I sort of saw ahead of this episode here, I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh, Biggie probably doesn't want to know, Does probably doesn't want to mess with Swellen. She probably knows some martial arts from the Far East. Some, I guessed like some Krav Maga, maybe some <laughs> Capoeira. Uh, I was uh, actually pretty surprised and happily surprised to figure out what they actually did give Swellen as her martial art of choice later on. So like so like we said, she steps up. Binky's just like, I'm not going to apologize. Maybe you'd rather fight me. And then Swellen's just like, alright. And then he just kind of goes, what did you say? <laughs> like again, like really trying to terrorize her out of this. And then uh, they decide that they will meet on the playground at 3 o'clock to fight. And it's... Uh, it's, uh, people you ever had that when you were in elementary school? Kids would like oh, totally. plan a time because I never really saw kids get into fights until high school, and it was always a spur of the moment thing at that point. Well, here's something strange: is that when I was in like grade one, like the boys would just like go to the pl- so we had like a playground, and the ground was like you know pebbles and stuff, and we would just like fight at recess. Oh but yeah, it was almost a bit, almost a little fight club ish because it wasn't yeah. like you know we weren't like fighting because we didn't like each other. We were just kind of fighting. I think that's different, though. That's like when my friend broke his arm pretending to be Rey Mysterio jumping off on me on the mic. It wasn't even bars. like it wasn't even like wrestling. We were just kind of, well, we were wrestling around, but it was yeah. just kind of like just kind of brawl a kid brawling. But that's but that's like roughhousing. Did you ever have yes. kids be like, "We have an issue. I'll meet you at sundown." Like no, trying but, to solve a problem via violence. No, but that was the trope. It was always like three o'clock at the flagpole or something. Yeah. No, but uh, I think. You know, it may have been intimated to me or someone a couple times. They're just like, you know, it's like I'll, you know, you better watch your back after school. <laughs> oh, by the bleachers. Yeah, I grew up. I grew up in a, a, a tough elementary junior high, so that happened a couple times. But I didn't really get in that many that many fights. I was kind of a wimp. They'll meet on the playground three o'clock. Uh, Vinky kind of does the "What are you looking at?" and they're and then Buster's like, "Look, Haley's Comet," <laughs> and and Vinky does a great double take there. So then we go to the music room. Uh, where everybody's getting pieces for the recital, they're all going to like do some like ta- some tag team recitals, and this this was awesome. So Francine, like apropos of nothing, she's just like Miss uh, the music teacher's name is Miss Krasny. So she's Francine's like, can we do a duet for drums and tuba? And then Francine and Buster do this like thirty second, like not even like twenty second duet for drums and tuba, and it's awesome. Yeah, they tear it up whiplash style, like they just go in on the drums and tuba. Thank you. 
And the teacher doesn't seem too pleased. Like, she acts like they played some metal song or something. She's like, well, I don't think the recital's quite ready for that or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but it was so cool. No, like, no, yeah, they went in. And it just after, I've just seen La La Land recently, and that movie's all about jazz. And oh, yeah. I'll get into this later on in this episode, actually. But uh, I got flashbacks of, like, the scenes in La La Land where he's trying to explain that jazz is actually, like, very aggressive and competitive, which mm-hmm. we'll actually get into later. Uh, and uh, Binky and Sue Ellen sitting next to each other. And this is kind of where cracks are starting to form in Binky's facade because Arthur's like, this may sound crazy. Binky seems kind of scared of Sue Ellen. And then uh, she kind of whispers something to him. And then after school, it cuts to Binky and Molly and Rattles, the tough customers, the uh, the fabulous freebirds of the Arthur universe, <laughs> or perhaps the shield. Uh, and uh, Rattles is just like, I'm going to see Sue Ellen. And uh, Vinky's like, yeah, you know what excuse she made? She has to go to some Korean cooking class, Taekwondo. Which is funny, but also got me thinking like, man, I'd take a Korean cooking class. Sure, as an Korean barbecue? Oh my goodness, that's like a top three meal right there. Yeah, you would have the power in your kitchen. Molly and Rattles are just like, did she say that that was her cooking class? (laughs) And they kind of show him a channel or just show called Sports World. Sort of the ESPN3 of right. the Arthur universe where it's the like Ocho. it's all just martial arts demonstrations yeah. and like I don't know lacrosse like and also keep in mind this is the 90s so we're just coming off of like the or maybe even still into like the martial arts craze that's right the Karate Kid boom Karate Kid Power Rangers like I took the reason I took karate classes was because there were several shows aimed at kids that were like all based on the idea of martial arts. And I was a little young, so I wasn't really into this stuff at the time, but right. I'm, I'm, I I believe that there was like a, sort of a craze on channels like ESPN3 where they would show late night martial art demonstrations of like, here's just a show about a dude breaking boards. Sure. And, and I know that's why specific rules exist in the UFC, because they would show on late night dudes breaking boards with their elbows. And so to this day, you can't just drop an elbow on someone in the UFC, even though that's actually not that unsafe. It's okay. all, it's a trick. Like the breaking boards thing, like some guy watched that and he goes, oh my God, we can't have them doing that to people. He broke those boards. Right. Think what it would do to human bone but i think like that's actually misinformation or something and so a lot of people don't believe in those rules anymore but it's interesting to think of like the martial arts craze of the 90s and how that still affects things today for sure so they kind of take a look at these martial arts demonstrations like a woman chops a car in half like (laughs) it's street fighter 2 or something yes oh my car oh my god oh my car yeah uh yeah and uh binky is is very much uh feels threatened by this like he Kind of imagine Sue Ellen like bending the basketball hoop in half, <laughs> and then Binky Binky playing an expert cowardly heel in this episode because he's making all these excuses but trying to save face as best as he can. He's like rolling out of the ring and being like, "I'm not fighting you tonight." That's a great so, example. So Binky, so Binky's just like, you know, you know, my mother's calling me, and Rattles is like, "That was a truck horn," <laughs> and Binky's like, "I'll have to deal with that pipsqueak on Monday." Just like, "Ooh, you wait and see," like. We're going to fight eventually. Like, it's great stuff. Like This whole situation reminded me, my dad's actually a, uh, a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo. He's really? Tra- yes, he uh, cool. he doesn't train in it anymore. Your dad's, your dad's awesome. Uh, but he's got this plaque up in his uh, uh, 
office with everything about him getting his his black belt from I don't know what you call your master in Taekwondo. It's not a sensei because that's Japanese, but I'm yeah, not sure what it is. Sure. But anyway, my dad told this story. He used to do Taekwondo demonstrations for like elementary schools to try and get them to join the dojo. Yeah. Uh, and one time this kid asked him about like, what if you were cornered in an alleyway by a bunch of dudes at once? Yeah. And dad says, well, I'd get into my stance. I'd get ready. And I'd run away as fast as I could <laughs> because that's the safest thing to do. And the kid was so disappointed. But uh, Taekwondo, like, it's kind of a defensive martial art. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think there are, I think, I feel like, and I don't want to blank at all martial arts with this because, you know, I only quote unquote studied karate. I took a community class when I was like eight. <laughs> but it's, you know, I feel like a lot of it is about kind of self defense and meditation, it's not about, you know, attack. In fact, I feel I mean, like attack is de-stressed in a lot of uh, martial arts. I mean, ex- it, except it, if you're using it for like combat purposes, it, it varies. It varies to the different ones. Like I, I don't think Muay Thai is a very defensive martial art. Just sure, flying sure. knees all over the place. No, absolutely. But I will say that, um, or like capoeira, which is like kind of like a dance. Yeah, it's like break dancing. Yeah. Uh, but the thing about it's interesting that they picked Taekwondo for this. It's got a lot of flashy kicks. And I just thought that was interesting detail because I always remember that story about my dad. People always kind of think that if you really train hard in a martial art, you'll be like Bruce Lee in those movies where everybody stands in a circle and you can take them out one by one. Right. But I, I always think about that story about my dad being like, no, I, I would run away. I am like five, six. Yeah. Your dad's your dad's a smart dude. But uh, that that kind of it's kind of interesting. You have a you have a great interest in martial arts. And uh, I guess it runs in the family. So Binky and the Tough Costume are at like a movie and Sue Ellen's just like where were you this afternoon? <laughs> and she's like I almost thought this episode was going to delve into the territory of there was like a misunderstanding between them. Like Sue Ellen wanted to meet him after school for something else because her nonchalant attitude about this whole thing is very strange. She is very chill with the idea of fighting Binky. She's like, like I thought we were going to fight three o'clock. What's going on? Yeah, and, and she's like in the seat behind him and he's just like Ugh, like he freezes <laughs> up and then you know they make it for Monday after school. Uh, Molly's just like you better hope that what happened to the last guy Binky fought doesn't happen to you she kind of paused like who was the last guy he fought <laughs> which is this and this comes up later on in the episode this is so great every yeah. time someone mentions it they're like wait a minute when they come so close to that like threshold of like understanding the situation mm-hmm. and they just take a few steps back yeah they're like Be- because 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 it sounds so unbelievable <laughs> and they're just like no he must have fought somebody oh, or something so like scary he must have th- fought somebody uh so monday after school sue ellen's waiting for binky again and arthur says he volunteered to clap erasers after school did you ever have that duty when you were in elementary school because i remember a few classes that i had where it's like okay uh there's a few classroom duties that need to be done we're going to cycle them around so everybody pitches in and it's just like okay this week, uh, Will, you and this person are clapping erasers. And like that's what you would have to do when we use chalk and erasers because you had to clap them outside to get all the dust out of them. See, this might show my age a little bit, but I've never been to a school where they had a chalkboard. What? Yeah. What did they have? Marker boards? Always been whiteboard. Wow. Every, ever since elementary school, I've always had whiteboards. I mean, you're not that much younger than me. I didn't think ch- chalkboards were passe. They, they the might time. have had chalkboards like when I was in preschool. And now I'm really stretching my brain cells to try and think about this. We, but didn't, we didn't get marker boards until, like, I was in high school. No, we. I had marker boards from elementary school on. I've never then, had a chalkboard. Then, then again, it could have been a difference of the particular schools we went to. I don't mm. know. So Binky's clapping erasers. So Ellen says, I think Binky's scared of me. <laughs> and Francine says, I hope so. Then he'll know what it feels like. And then they do the same thing of, like, what happened to the last guy who fought Binky? And both Arthur and Francine are just like, 
I don't know. Who was it? <laughs> like, I can't remember anybody ever fighting Binky. So this is this is kind of, and we'll get into it explicitly in a little bit, but kind of true to Binky's character and the idea of bullying in general. It's that Binky isn't really a violent person, but he's tremendously insecure. So instead of ruling through violence, it's through intimidation, it's through the threat of violence because he's so big. He's, he's all bark and no bite. Absolutely. And I think that that was a really good kind of, uh, lead up to that uh, and you know so Arthur and Francine are outside like flying this kite and Binky comes by later uh, after Sue Ellen leaves and he's just like ah she ran away and uh, Francine is just like she said if you were too scared to fight she'll call it off and Binky's like well I'm, I, I'm scared like like maybe you'd like to take her place huh he starts to walk away and he's just like can I talk to you guys <laughs> and it's and it's a very a, a nice little sincere moment that leads into something that's actually really nice. Uh, like I said, this episode has some tremendous development for Binky. So it's them sitting around like one of those those carousel things at our playgrounds. Like Arthur's on the carousel, Binky keeps spinning it, and Arthur's just like, "Whoa!" But he's making a serious point. He's like, "I can't talk to Molly and Rattles because I can't tell them I've never fought anyone before." Which I immediately remembered the Gleeping episode. Yes. Where Arthur was in the exact same situation with the mm. tough customers. They thought he was this master stealer and he never actually stolen anything. Which leads me to believe, I'm wondering, like, are Molly and Rattles even, like, bad characters or is it all just an image? Like, we haven't even heard about what makes them so tough. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very interesting in that, in that sense. Uh, and Binky says, you know, whenever I've gotten in a situation where it's come to a fight, everybody else has run away. I've never had anybody stand up to me and he's and he's about to say like I'm worried that you know I might get hurt but then he's like I'm worried I might hurt that little pipsqueak yeah yeah that's that's what it is and then Francine actually has a very prescient piece of advice she's like it's like me you don't have to you know threaten everybody and Binky's like well it's what I'm good at and she's like maybe you could use it for something more constructive like music and then Binky decides that if he can't beat Sue Ellen in a fight he'll beat her in music at the uh, recital that they have together so they're like kind of teamed together in their recital so he'll beat her there and then we get into the jazz sequence that you talked about speaking of La La Land uh, so they kind of do their recital, you know, they're all dressed up and it's at school and everything. Binky and Swellen come on stage and Binky just says, and, and, and I, I love I this, just thinking about it from Miss Krasny's perspective, because Binky goes, before we begin, we would like to play improvisational jazz and like Binky going wildly off script. And like, if I was Miss Krasny, I'd be like, like, I'd be off stage being like, what are you doing? Stop, stop it. Stop, stop, yeah, stop. She's, she, throughout this episode, she's got those hand motions where she's like, nope, nope, cut yeah, it off yeah, no, or she, like yeah, she's off doing rhythm. Like the, she's doing like the, the cut across the throat, like stop it, stop it, stop it. Um, but yeah, the reason this reminded me about La La Land is there's a scene in La La Land where Ryan Gosling's character is sort of explaining the competitive nature of improvisational jazz. Okay. And he's talking about like the um, drum player is sort of keeping the pace, but he's changing the pace. And now the saxophone player, he's trying to, he has to force his way in with a solo and he talks. It, it gave me a, a new appreciation for jazz music because he talks in depth about like it's all a big competition like everybody's sort of moving and jostling for their spot 
lot right. in improvised jazz. But also trying to make it sound like music. Make it sound good at the same time. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like a competitive. Make it sound, make it sound coherent. Uh, uh, so when I first heard Binky was like, we're going to compete with music. I was like, what, are they going to have like a rap battle? Like, what are they talking about? Uh, <laughs> and and lo- then it-, it turns out this was a great fit. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm going to be seeing, I'm planning to see La La Land tomorrow. So maybe I'll have a better appreciation of this after seeing Binky and Sue Ellen's improv jazz competition. So Binky kind of goes at it with the clarinet. Sounds pretty good. The music, the music that they got for this episode is pretty darn good. And then Binky gets some applause, and then Sue Ellen kind of picks up the same tune that he had, adds to it, and it sounds amazing. You know, the crowd's going nuts. And then Binky is obviously beaten and he goes outside and he's just kind of hanging his head, using his clarinet as a bat to like uh, swing it, swing at some rocks. And then Arthur comes out. He's like, everybody's looking for you. And this is where we get like some really tremendous insight, like really thinking about it. This is probably one of my favorite parts of the show so far, because, I mean, the Binky character is really interesting. It's very layered. And this episode was the one that kind of brought it all together a little bit because the conversation that they have essentially boils down to like you know Binky's sad because you know Sue Ellen was better than him and he uses the phrase she she beat me and Arthur says you know always having to beat somebody isn't what's important and Binky's like well to me it is I'm not the best at anything I got held back a year and so he is revealing his inner insecurities. He's insecure about, I mean, sort of his intelligence, but generally just not being the best at anything. He needs to beat people. He needs to get one over on people in order to feel good about himself because there's nothing that he feels he's the best at before anybody else. Like Arthur throws a, a rock at the tree and Binky throws it higher and he's like, mine went higher. Like he has to prove that he's better than people in some way. And I, I, I love that they sort of had that stem from directly him being held back a grade. I think that's so interesting yeah. because, you know... It hasn't, been, hasn't really been addressed yet. Well, and also, like, in cartoons, like, so often everybody kind of... Everyone's kind of on an equal playing field. That's yeah. sort of the message is like, oh, you know, everybody's equal. We're all... But I thought it was so interesting that they tackle, like, not everybody's equal. Like, some people have difficulties with things more than others. And it's such a complex feeling having this Binky character sort of vent out his frustrations with not being good enough to finish grade three or whatever grade they're in, uh, like all the other kids, and having to be held back. It's it, something that I deal with to this day. Like, uh, it's something that anybody can relate to. And another thing, like, I think the writing in this scene's fantastic. And like you said, I agree with you. I think Binky has proven himself to be probably the most interesting and well-fleshed-out character in all of Arthur. So Even far. more so than Arthur himself. Yeah. Uh, but I also think, like, the framing of this scene is really good and the lighting of this scene yeah, is really good. Yeah, Binky's in the foreground versus Arthur in kind of the background. Arthur's kind of coming out of the lit school and Binky is kind of... In the, they're both a little bit shrouded in half shade. Yeah, there's this like harsh lighting because it's at nighttime and like the school from the light from the school is directly yellow. I know I bring this up again, but it was almost noirish in the uh, the way it was lit. But it's it's really well done and it fits the emotional tone of the scene. Very much so. And then and then Mickey's just like everybody would laugh at me if I didn't beat him. 
And then Arthur says, maybe they wouldn't laugh at you. Maybe they'd actually like you. <laughs> but then he makes a good point of just like, I know that together you and Sue Ellen sounded the best of anyone. And then Biggie kind of eventually cool, warms this of like, well, if everybody was going to cry about it, I guess I could go back. And Arthur's like, yeah, that's it. We're all going to cry. <laughs> So they so he does go back and they ha- then they sound great together like they have a great piece and they knock it out of the park and then they finally make peace with each other uh, on stage you know Sue Ellen's just like I don't want to fight you Binky and Binky's like all right that's what you want like trying <laughs> trying to keep the tough guy thing but just letting it slide a little bit and she's like if you ever want to I'm ready so you know just like I'll let you off the hook Binky but if you ever really want to do this I'm ready you, to go you know what you're stepping to and then the next day at school it seems that. It's back to normal with Binky. He's menacing, uh, oh gosh, Fra- Frank, our, our rabbit Frank. Sorry, Gareth, I forgot the actual name of the bunny. Uh, but, you know, he's kind of going after him for his dessert. And then Sue Ellen walks by, and he's just kind of like, uh, just checking for harmful objects, and then just kind of backs away. He says, "This I, I wrote down this line because it's so weird to me. He goes, you can never be too careful, you can never be too careful in this cafeteria. This is the same cafeteria where the quarters were in the brownies. I guess that's a really good point. I didn't think about that. You know what? If that happened in my school, I would be checking for uh, foreign <laughs> objects as well. All the time. And then Arthur holds up a drawing of the real anti-Binky weapon, which is Sue Ellen. And that's the end of that one. And now a word from us kids. I'll just go through this one quickly because I know that you did, you weren't able to uh, check it out. It's, you know, kids being like, you know, everybody in our class is a special talent. And, you know, it's like, oh. I, I was kind of hoping that you had watched this one because, you know, we we make a point of we don't want to, like, make fun of these kids or anything because they're just like they're seven, eight year olds. They're in elementary school. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, some of these talents are a little dubious. Oh, really? It's like one kid good at, like, beating up other kids? What well, do you mean by dubious? So, uh, so I'll, go, I'll go through my road down. Like, one of, them, one of them is a kid, like, dribbling a soccer ball. It's like, okay, yeah. that, that takes a little bit of talent. That uh, takes a lot of talent. I can't dribble a soccer ball. There's a couple of kids, uh, you know, playing, playing music, and it's just, like, really simple stuff, but they're young, so you, you get it. There's a kid playing jacks, which like, have you ever played jacks? No. My sister had a jack set, and like, that's that actually takes a little bit of skill. It's like what you have to do is like you have to bounce the ball, pick up a jack, bounce the ball, pick up a jack, and it's like, it's not as easy as it looks. So, fair enough. Uh, there's one kid who's like, juggling, but it's not really juggling. He's just kind of throwing two bouncy balls up in the air like he'll catch one and then throw the other it's not like a juggling thing he's just kind of throwing balls up in the air and catching hey them. you got to start somewhere i guess so maybe he maybe he learned maybe he grew up to be a battle juggler there's got that now that's that's something you can find on espn3 wow really competitive juggling wow oh my gosh of course uh there's a kid who does like math problems and it's just like well okay at, at his age you know math is pretty hey, tough that's hey that's a talent as far as i'm concerned the one i took real exception with was one kid whose talent was tic tac toe which it's clearly rigged. Like I, it's what it is. It's a kid, <laughs> like a kid we haven't seen before, and the kid who is dribbling the soccer ball, and they're playing tic tac toe. And obviously, this is rigged so that the kid who didn't get something could get something. And there's like jump cuts in this tic tac toe game. You're telling me this tic tac toe game is a work? Yes, I'm saying that this tic tac toe game is worked. 
They worked me. Listen, I learned from war games the true way, the only way to win tic-tac-toe is to not play at all. So <laughs> uh, maybe that kid learned that valuable lesson. So that one's a little, but at the end they all get like, you know, medals and certificates and whatnot. And they're just like, all right, everybody's good at something. It's, it's, it's not the best. <laughs> These and dang no. millennials and their <laughs> hashtag participation trophies. It's not the best to work from kids. <laughs> On to the next episode, it is Miss Fortune Teller. So Arthur starts it off by, he's in bed reading comics, and he's talking about people believing in weird things. <laughs> so we started off, He uh, his first one is Buster's fixation with aliens, which has been, um, you know, kind of a character staple at this point, and we get a little bit more here of Buster sending up uh, balloons as kind of a greeting to aliens, which, of course, doesn't realize that, those won't make it past the various layers of the earth, but whatever. And then he says that he wants to welcome the aliens because he wants to trade them I Love Earth t-shirts and I Love Earth bumper stickers so he can get some alien toys. And then and then his, his nice line here of, aliens are definitely going to visit someday. And when they do, they're going to want souvenirs. Are there, uh, Buster has a mind for marketing. He's, he, he's, he's always en- about that monetization. He's very enterprising. Uh, He'd be into the the news that broke this week about the the planets, the Earth-like planets. Buster would be stoked. Absolutely. Uh, Francine's is a little bit more innocuous in that she wears lucky socks that she never washes when she ever... You know, plays an important game. Another thing, like, for some reason, Arthur keeps running parallel with the news, but suspicious basketball players has been, (laughs) superstitious, I should say, basketball players has been in the news lately. Kyrie Irving believing the earth is flat and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) That sort of thing. And then uh, Arthur's just like, you know, I don't believe in any of that stuff. But then before the the cold open ends, he checks under his bed for monsters. So it's like, oh, maybe he does. So the episode starts at Prunella's half birthday party. (laughs) Prunella and Rubella. it, It took me about a minute and a half to realize that Muffy has been dethroned. As the most annoying and unlikable character oh, on Arthur. Wow. These sisters, and for completely different reasons, are both totally insufferable. Okay. Uh, well, first off, I wanted to say that, you know, they kind of have the uh, the background noise of just, like, you know, kids enjoying themselves at a party. And I could notice Brain's voice actor doing, like trying way too hard to have fun and it was really distracting just like then like trying to be like as general as possible just like yeah we're having yeah we're having fun you want you want to have fun yay and it's like uh like it's like ugh, it just sounded dumb anyway this is prunella's half birthday party so it's like half halfway between her real birthday and the next birthday or some such. So friends are getting her like half thing. So Binky got her like a half baseball. Which he admits he only gave her because he wanted to see what they looked like on the inside. It's still pretty cool. I've never seen a half baseball before. Uh, Francine gives her half a yard of licorice and Buster has half a chocolate bar, which he was clearly just eating. So we get introduced to Prunella's sister, Rubella. Ugh. Uh, and she is... Uh, She's a real drama student, this one. I imagine she's taking first-year theater if she's that old. 
She, she, might, she might be junior high or high school, but she, she was just like, ah, I see. We're taking first semester, uh, first semester Shakespeare. She she's a drama student, and she's also the type of person that's like way into crystal healing. Yeah, you know she, what I mean. Very new agey. A lot of naturallife.org mm. kind of pseudo medicine. Yeah, uh, and I don't know something about that whole shtick really rubs me the wrong way. And this coupled with Prunella's. Sweet sixteen, like my, like who has a half birthday? Like it's so ridiculous. It's a bit, it's a bit much. Uh, all of this, this family is a bit much. I want to see their parents naming them the same thing with one letter changed. Yeah. I don't know. And I think Rubella's like a vegetable or something. So Rubella gifts her gifts Prunella with a cootie catcher, which is something that you may have seen when you were younger. I know I definitely did. I made I made my mom make this a couple of times after I saw this on Arthur. So it's like one of those fortune teller things where you kind of put your fingers in it and you go like one way and then the other and then it's just like pick a number, a color, and, or uh, pick a color, a number, and another number, and it'll just have like a general fortune, almost like a like a more analog magic eight ball. Um, I never knew it by that exact name, but I've definitely seen those here and there in my childhood as I, well. I always called it a cootie catcher just because Arthur called it a cootie catcher. So, And I definitely had my – like I said, my mother made me a few after this episode. And I was kind of thinking oh, maybe I should try and make one again myself, but uh, we'll we'll see about that. Uh, so, you know, Rubella, a bit of a, witch, a, bit of a witchy woman, says that uh, – you know, yep. th- it was imbued with special power for to give to a special little girl on her half birthday by Transylvanian commuters of the Carpathian Mountains. So, you know, putting it on a little bit. You're not sure. If Wait, she's, now you're, not, I, you're not sure if she's in on the act or if she's like really kind of out to lunch. Now that I think about it, does that just mean like people who were taking a bus from Transylvania? I think that's kind of the Carpathian I think, I think Mountains. That's, I think that's kind of the joke of like it's supposed oh. to sound. It's supposed to sound a little bit more mystic than it really is. Ah, and again, it's hard to tell. It's like is Rubella kind of in on this or like what? Like wh- where? Where's her level of kind of self? Uh, awareness, self awareness here. Uh, Francine is is skeptical as well. She should be, and you know asks if she'll ever be if she'll ever play pro football. Which of course uh, not the question to ask because they'll never know until she grows up. So it's that, like that Nathan for you episode where he tries to find sponsorships from kids who play soccer so that like he could pay them very little money and then when they become famous as adults he can reap the benefits. And so this one kid's like, I've decided I don't want to be a soccer player. I want to be an astronaut. And then Nathan's like, No, 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 no. You want to play soccer? Okay. <laughs> I've never seen that show. Uh, and then so Buster asks a shorter-term question, will I get an A on the geography test? And I thought this was mean. Everybody just starts laughing. <laughs> they are just hee-hawing about Buster getting an A. And it's just like, and then Arthur even says straight up to him, you'll never get A's, Buster. Like, <laughs> gee, gee, thanks, man. Like, he got a B-plus that one time. I think he could do it if he really tried. Uh, so then... And then to which Buster's like, I don't even get A's in my alphabet soup. But then, of course, cut to the next day, and they have this, like, cootie catcher wipe where yep. it's, that they use several times. Uh, they go to the next day, and Mr. Rapper gives him his test. He's like, unusually good work, Buster. <laughs> like, <laughs> even Mr. Every, Rapper could, like... Like, everybody's ribbing him. Everybody's, he had to get a burn Everybody's in. razzing him for this. It's just like... Uh, so they think that it's right, but they have to keep asking it because it could have just gotten lucky. Uh, so then Arthur asks a very specific one. Will Binky Barnes sing a stupid song in front of everyone tomorrow? Yeah, Francine comes up with the idea. Let's ask it a tougher question. Yeah. 
And so Arthur's idea of a tougher question is, will Binky Barnes sing a stupid song tomorrow? Yes. Which I guess isn't that really that tr- tough because it's a 50-50 answer, right? Yeah. It's will, most he, likely he, he, will, he will or he won't. He's most likely not going to sing the stupid song. Right. So like if it guesses no, it's again, it's one of those things where we start to get into some confirmation bias mm-hmm. in this episode. Uh, so we cut to the next day and we see these two coaches these two elementary school coaches who we've never seen before and may never see again. <laughs> and this is the weirdest thing. So, like, one of them is kind of looks like the woman who did the tug of war in that earlier episode, but she's kind of dressed up in more gym sweats, and they both got the whistle around their necks. And so she's like, you know, your typical not-quite-middle-aged middle woman, but, you know, 30s or something. And the other guy is, like, this towering drill sergeant bunny who's got this like guile crew cut. I was just going to say the other one looks like guile. Yeah, he does. He looks like guile with gym sweats. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Sonic Boom. And uh yeah, so he looks like guile and like I'm just like I've never seen this guy before and I don't think we'll ever see him again. Anyway, they're arguing about of all things the way a nursery rhyme goes. And, you know, of course, like, you think you think they could have something, I don't know, a little bit better to argue about, but whatever. I guess they're just really bored. I this kind of this kind of bothered me. So the the they're talking about the itsy bitsy spider, but they keep calling it eensy weensy spider. So that's just, weird. It's like a weird variant. I'm just like, all right, I don't know why we need to baby it up a little bit. Also, the I, I don't think we ever get a name out of the male coach, but the female coach's name is Grimslid. Which kind of is, is she's like, it sounds like, is she like Norse or something? It sounds like she's like one of the... Uh, like it, um, reminds, it reminds me from Splinter Cell of that person <laughs> was part of your team, Grimm's daughter. It reminds me of like, it sounds like she's one of the, uh, uh, what is what was that show called where people had to do the obstacle course and the wrestler looking Amer- American Gladiators? Yeah, it remi- she sounds like an American Gladiator. Grimslid. Exactly. <laughs> Avoid the tennis ball cannon fired by Grimslid. <laughs> That's great. I loved American Gladiators. Um, this whole situation reminded me of when I was in high school, I was in, I don't remember if this was leadership class or gym class. They both took place in the gym, but there was one time we were like, we had nothing to do on the curriculum. Um, uh, you know what I mean. Yes. And we were playing Stormy Seas. Oh, yeah. And the, the punishment if you got tagged Stormy was you had, you had to do something embarrassing. And the yeah. the gym teacher made me sing I'm a Little Teapot. Yeah. And so it was just a, a weird thing in my head where it's like, oh, gym class, nursery rhyme. Yeah. Had a little flashback. Stormy Seas, great game to play. Love that game. Uh, so then the ma- the male guy just give, it gives Binky like a I'll see you at WrestleMania point. And he's like, Barnes, come here. <laughs> And then he gets Binky to sing "Eensy Weensy Spider," and they were they were arguing about whether it was up the spout or down the spout again, which is like, of course, it's not down the spout, you fool. <laughs> this is probably why we never see him again. He's not exactly the brightest bulb in the in the drawer. Binky uh, surprisingly happy. Like, yeah, no, he he gladly does it for for uh, old Commander Guile over here. He's just like, yes, sir, coach, and then like goes into a full routine and seems to be fairly j- jubilant about doing the whole thing. Yeah, like <laughs> he puts on a little of a little bit of a show. Like he's got some dance moves. Yeah. He busts out. Uh, so they they are relatively certain that the cootie catcher is, uh, or most of them are, that it's you know on the level. And then, but Brain is still kind of skeptical uh, as they go into the sugar bowl. And this is kind of where we start to get. Uh, we're starting to ask it kind of common things. And so this is where. I made I made this comparison, and we'll actually see it realized at the end of the episode. Uh, have you ever read uh, 
the Batman graphic novel Arkham Asylum, A Serious Home on Serious Earth? Uh, yes, but a really, really long time okay, ago. Okay, it's the the only reason I bring that up is because in that one, it's like the psychiatrist that was working with Two Face has moved him from you know the two sided coin to like a deck of cards. But the problem is, is that he can't make a choice without going through all fifty two choices. So essentially, mm. she just broke him even more. Well, and, that, it, that, it, and that's what I was thinking of. And just bringing this back, I know this is really tangential, but <laughs> it's just like what I was thinking of. It's like okay, now we're starting to get to the point of like we can't make routine decisions without consulting the cootie cat. <laughs> like we're starting to become we're going down the two-faced rabbit hole here. You're slaves to like the maybe like maybe at one point in order to make like eight decisions to two-faced move from a coin to like a six-sided dice to a cootie catcher. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Buster asks Francine for some money so he can buy like a milkshake or whatever, but Francine said, "I asked the cootie catcher and it said you didn't need money." And I'm like, how did it know? <laughs> like, you could have just asked him, and he needs money. But, uh, you know, Buster kind of does a handstand to demonstrate there's nothing in his pockets. Uh, and then, as Buster's going inside, a woman asks him to carry her bags to her car, and he, like, gives him money. And then it's just like, ah, so it was right. And Brain is still very skeptical. Yeah, Brain, like, for at least for the first half of this episode, Brain is sort of the Lucas surrogate during this whole thing because he re- there's like one part I'm not sure if it's later or if it's right here where uh, Brain literally buries his uh, face in his hands and he's like oh brother yeah, oh brother then there is a giant lineup outside of Prunella's backyard of all the kids waiting to ask her a question just like and Rebella just like you may only ask one question a day the process is too draining <laughs> And so they're really hamming it up at this point, really re- relishing. And, like, we don't get much of this episode from Prunella's point of view. She's just kind of an accessory to the cootie catcher. It's more, it's, like I said last week, it's more of an ensemble episode. That's what I was going to – yeah, anyway, I'll get into that later. But keep that in mind that mm-hmm. it, it really is an ensemble episode. So then we start getting into the kids becoming really superstitious and being like they can't do things they want to do because the cootie catcher said so. Like Francine can't play uh, football that day because – or whatever sport it is because it said it said so and then there's a cutaway to arthur and brain who says arthur's just like rubella says anyone who doesn't believe the cootie catcher is cursed and brain's just like it's like nah it's like arthur come on that's stupid and then his bike gets like smashed by a garbage truck which just like backs into a tree where the (laughs) bike is and then arthur gives a great read here of it's the curse of the cootie catcher yeah he says that after brain's like my bike and then arthur's like it's the like whenever they give arthur's voice actor like a line to like shriek it's always a home run yeah he's very good uh and then brain is brain brain is now broken brain and he just goes to the cootie catcher and just like should i buy a new bike so everybody is prunella's entourage now because she has all the answers with the cootie catcher and you know she's getting all the attention we get a like I just realized now, like, we barely see DW in either of these episodes. Like, she comes in at one point when they're walking down the street, and she's like, can I ask it a question? And Prunella's just like, a child's worry is but a drop of rain in a sea of tears. Oh, oh, I could not stand to hear this any longer. I was like, oh, these two sisters, man. Well, again... This is the most I've ever felt for Muffy, like this episode. Yeah, actually, it served to it, – you, you put it – you pair a heel with a heel. It's going to make one of them a baby face eventually. <laughs> so Muffy is kind of at this point – she hasn't been part of this. She's been kind of separate from this. So she kind of wheels up on her bicycle and <laughs> – 
just a very generic of just like, hey, you guys want to come to my house to play computer games? You know, the ones you love. You know, the ones without brand names. <laughs> like, like, uh, like uh, Schmist and no. Schmiven. <laughs> Schmiven? I wonder. Schmajama Schmam. If, if, if Muffy has games that they love, I wonder if she also has games they don't love. Like, maybe they love to play Doom, but Muffy also owns Chex Quest. Who knows? <laughs> maybe. Anyway, Muffy realizes she's been wronged and she's jealous of Prunel's new status. So then she hurriedly uh, fixes up her own cootie catcher, which of course is like bedazzled and like has all this like, we- like sparkly dust coming out of it. And it's the Deluxe Crosswire Platinum Series Cootie Catcher, which is like the Trump stakes of Cootie Catchers. <laughs> it, I, I'm kind of confused about the construction of this Cootie Catcher, because every time she opens it, it kind of makes a coughing noise and a bunch of glitter yeah, comes it's, out. Yeah, it's like a shimmering kind of, sh- 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 like it's weird. And, 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 and of course- Cootie Catcher smoke, don't breathe this. Yeah, because- <laughs> uh, and of course, since it's made by a crosswire, all all of the answers presumably pre- predict wealth. Like you will be very wealthy, or you will have incredible riches. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's really funny. And I'm just like, I imagine that all of them are just like spins on that kind of thing, because of course she's a crosswire. Uh, <laughs> speaking of great reads from the voice actors, there's a great one here of just like again how brainwashed they all are by the cootie catcher. They go by Brain's mom's ice cream shop, and then you know uh, she's like. Francine, you're the 100th person to pass by today. You get a free cone. And Francine goes, no, I must pay for my ice cream. <laughs> and then actually, Brain has a good line, too. It's And he's just like, we have to listen to it. It killed my bike. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. And then the, write, like, the writing is really solid, too. Like, the delivery is <laughs> yeah. good, but like I feel like... You could tell the writers were having a little bit of fun with like this whole cutie cootie catcher brainwashing them. Yeah, it's more of a capital F fun episode. Uh, then we get more, which I've labeled under "I have to," which is like Binky carrying around his you know his old teddy bear, his good luck charm because he has to. Uh, brain at baseball for some reason he's playing Mighty Mountain, but not in his uniform. Like he's just in his normal clothes. And we've d- gotten this before, but the regulations surrounding all the sports <laughs> leagues in this show are almost as confusing as the animal hierarchy. And we have Commander Guile as umpire, and he's just like, "You haven't, you haven't swung at a pitch all day," and he's just like, "I'm not supposed to." <laughs> And then the weirdest one is Arthur's in the living room drawing like daisies. This is like this is some like all work and no play makes yeah. Jack a dull boy. Yeah, this this is, is great. It's almost haunting. Like it is it is very horror esque. Yeah, it's very close to like some shining type stuff. And uh, DW comes in, takes a look, and is like, "Why are you doing this?" And Arthur just goes. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> it's so strange. The, the, but, um, now I'm like starting to think, like, what was the question Arthur would have asked the cootie catcher that made him have to draw daisies be, over and over because, again? Because he, did he ask it, like, do I have to draw daisies all day? Because doesn't it only give yes or no answers? Yeah, pretty much. It's Again, it's like a magic eight ball. It's not going to enact a toll for taking an answer. <laughs> And even if it did, why would Prunella need, like, 20 drawings of daisies? What if the cootie catcher was, like, seven days? Jeez. Uh, Samara's cootie catcher. Uh, So then the next scene is uh, they go to Rebella's, or Rebella Prunella's house, and just, like, you know, she's tired. Rebella has this line I thought was kind of funny, just, like, speak only ish sounds. Fish, dish, sandwich. 
I'm like, I don't know. This, I just thought that was kind of You know what? Silly. Rebella wouldn't seem out of place at a fish concert, so <laughs> it makes tr- sense. Very true. Uh, and then they realize that the cootie catcher has been stolen, which like breaks everybody. They're just like dropping everything. <laughs> they're it's like it's almost like they're deity. Like they're they're almost to the point where they're worshiping the cootie this catcher. Is, this is like some Lord of the Flies pig's head kind of thing. Or, or like in like Life of Brian, where there's the two sects of the people that worship Brian. There's right. the one that followed the sandal and the one that followed the uh, I forget what else he drops. Right. But that's where they split. It, it, it's like that with the the cootie catcher is like this tome that everybody must bow to and obey. Or for our younger audience, the magic conch. Yes, there you go. That's a good one. What should we do? Nothing. uh, You know what? The magic conch is very similar to this episode. It goes back into what I was saying about how there's always a birthday episode. Right. Uh, There's also always an episode where people have to worship some sort of (laughs) false idol. (laughs) It's so strange that that's a trope. Uh, So they decide to search at school. Like they they go up to Mr. Haney's house and they plead with him to open the school on Saturday. And it doesn't take very much coaxing. Like he's just like, you want to go to school on a Saturday? And Arthur's like, yes, unlock the door, please. And then and Mr. Haney's like, oh, must be doing something right. This You want to talk about magical realism? This would never happen. No also, for some reason, Mr. Haney's out wear, wearing his weekend getup on the weekend. He's yeah. in his full suit. Yeah, he must have been getting ready for maybe it was like a PD day or something. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they haven't found it. And then Muffy offers Prunella to use hers. Rebel is just like only the one on her, you know, half birthday has the power. And then and then Prunella like spins on two dimes here. She does like a real 360, like two 180s in five seconds. You know, she's like, I think Muffy stole it. You were jealous of my attention. I hate you, Muffy. Muffy, I think you're. And then her mother kind of comes out and just like, oh, I found this cootie catcher in your pants in the wash. And she's like, oh, uh, sorry. As much as the previous episode did a lot for Binky's character, this doesn't really do much to flesh out Prunella. Like no. that's gonna, that's going to take a while. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It'll, it'll take a while to undo the damage this uh, episode has done in my eyes. So they managed to get it, it back working. Like it was in pretty rough shape, and they managed to dry it off and tape it back up, and it's all good. And then Arthur says to celebrate, let's go to my house. Turtles, turtles, turtles is coming on. So it seems to be some kind of special show that we never hear about again, but everybody's stoked for Turtles, Turtles, Turtles. Yeah, I was really curious. I love fake TV shows within (laughs) TV shows, and so I wanted to know more about Turtles, Turtles, Turtles. At first, I thought it was like some sort of nature thing, like Planet Earth about turtles, but from when they actually watch the show, it sounds like some sort of sketch comedy event. Yeah, it sounds something real wacky. Uh, So, of course, before they go in Arthur's house, they ask the hootie catcher if they should go watch it. (laughs) And as the show begins, DW's kind of like, hey, the show starting and then Arthur's like Cootie Catcher says we can't watch it and then <laughs> DVW's just like are you still listening to that dopey thing I don't care about that hunk of junk and just like of course they're too afraid to even let the Cootie Catcher hear that it's being slighted Then our, and then Arthur's just like I can't take this anymore this this I thought was really funny uh, like are we going to let that thing dictate what we should do or should we make our own decisions and Francine's like let's ask it <laughs> this is you know what a lot of Arthur episodes they have good resolutions like a good thing where everybody learns the moral but not a lot of them have like a climax that they really build to yeah. and this was the perfect climax for this episode like <laughs> the tension of Okay, we gotta ask it. Are we allowed to listen to it anymore? It's it's one of those. Um, could God? 
you know, make a thing that he couldn't break situations right. where the cootie catcher must be its own undoing. Could God microwave a burrito so hot he himself could not eat it? So they decide to ask it, should we stop listening to it? And then and then the answer is yes. So they're yeah, all like celebrating. Like another crazy. thing I wanted to say about this climax is they do it. They ask Buster to be yes. the person to sort of be the medium with which speaks to the cootie catcher. So they ask him a color. He looks at Bu- Arthur's sweater. It's yellow. And then they ask him a number. And I noticed this before. I was like, uh, Francine has been wearing yes. this number two Thank jersey you. that she hasn't worn yet in the series. I was like, I wonder why they changed her outfit, but nobody else's. It's literally to set up this moment at the end of the episode, Kaiser Soze style, when uh, <laughs> Kim and Spacey's like looking all around the room. Yes. Yes. Uh, Arthur, Buster looks at Arthur. He's like, yellow. And he looks at Francine and he's like, two, the number two. <laughs> but then he's just like, uh, two again. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, if Francine had worn two, he would have been out of luck. They Which, might still be there to this day. Which actually, if you really think about it, it's like, was this divine intervention by the cootie catcher? Did it put these objects in front of our... What came first? Uh, uh, did they actually the have or the free, catcher. Did they have free will to choose these clothes to wear that day and so Buster would see them? <laughs> or was it the cootie catcher's doing? <laughs> Praise be to the cootie catcher. Oh, Jesus. Uh, literally. Uh, so then they are able to watch Turtles, 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 and then while they're in there, Prunella throws away the cootie catcher, just like, alright, I think we've had... I think this is run its course. So the end of the episode, speaking of Two-Face, so DW at this point has raided the garbage and she is doing the cootie catcher up in bed and her, and mom's just like, turn off your light and go to sleep. DW's like, I can't sleep. And so she's under the cover asking the cootie catcher if she can go to sleep in an hour. No. Two hours? No. And it's just like, oh no, it broke her. She can't make her own decisions anymore. That is really morbid. As someone who's ever, I'm sure we've all had trouble sleeping before. Sure. And that's just like, that's like, what a nightmare. It's just like, can I go to bed now? Right. It's like that episode of Battlestar Galactica where it's like the Cylons attacking every 42 minutes and it's just like, oh, you can't sleep. You know what, though? DW really messed up by asking it in increments of hours. She should really have said, (laughs) can I sleep in 30 seconds? Yes. No, 31 seconds? There's a lot more chances to get it right at that point. That's right, but silly, silly DW. Okay, let's talk about what we thought of this episode. Do you mind if I uh, talk about Bully for Binky first? Sure, no problem. Okay, so... I wanted to say that I think this is one of my favorites of the season so far. And it like I'm really going to have to go back at some point because we're getting to the end of the season. Oh, Real, that's really exciting. We're within, uh, I want to say, six or seven episodes towards the end. And so I'm going to have to really go back and look at the ones that I thought were really impressive. But this one. Yeah, was, we should do a best of special. Yeah. A best and worst of yeah. special. Uh, so, yeah, this, this one was really good. And I think it all came down to the attention that they paid to the Binky character. I I think that this episode was so good at fleshing him out. And I think that he's he's interesting. He's funny. He's relatable at the best of times. And this was a one of those classic examples. He went from, you know, your typical trope of the bully character to some to a character that, you know, kids, his his age and even like like myself, like a person who's in his late 20s can understand. And I've really need to commend them for that. I think that it was a tremendous job, and I thought that that really carried the whole episode to something really special. I thought that because it was so close to life, I felt that it transcended the age range that Arthur generally is, and I thought it was really something quite good. 
I mean, it, it speaks to the writing where the more depth you add to a character and the more you understand their motivations, the easier it is to relate to them. Yeah. And Binky, by far, is the most complex character on Arthur yet. And so I think that's really – again, I like this episode too. I also thought it was interesting that Sue Ellen – was sort of the foil for Binky in this episode. Yeah. Uh, she's been really recently introduced, and I thought this was some great screen time for her. She came off as really likable yes. uh, in this episode. Uh, yeah, they're a great pair together, and I thought it was funny, and yes. there's a good moral to it as well. So. I, like, I like the animation as well in that one. Yeah, I, especially, I especially thought that with, the, again, the climax of that first episode where uh, Arthur sort of confronts Binky outdoors. Mm. The animation in that bit is great. The Even if you were just to watch that part of that episode, you would get something out of it. Mm-hmm. So you had some strong feelings about the characters in Misfortune Teller, but maybe on the other side of things. What do you, th- you think? So I think Misfortune Teller is like a funny episode episode there's a lot of great writing in yeah. it but i think that episode sort of where it fails is that it's too unfocused there's no main character to that episode it really mm-hmm. is an ensemble episode and i think it there's nothing wrong with that i like seeing the reactions of everybody but i think that makes it sort of it loses a little certain something without having a certain person to focus on. It dabbles with it with Muffy for like a minute. Mm -hmm. Like it almost, I was like, oh, is this going to be a Muffy episode about Muffy dealing with not being the center of attention? But really it's just kind of a non sequitur, like, oh, look at her funny, the one she came up with. So I I thought that if there was a certain character like Brain, if they had focused on Brain's story or on Muffy's story of like Brain being the uh, skeptic and then being a super believer and then sort of growing out of that, that would have been interesting or focusing on Muffy not being the center of attention. But because it was just sort of a overarching like, let's see how this affects everybody. Oh, they're brainwashed. Oh, they're not brainwashed anymore. It sort of lost a little something with me. It's still a very funny episode, though. I thought that your rejection of Prunell and Rubella, like, was interesting. I, I mean, I didn't really... Oh, I couldn't... I, I don't think that's a problem with the episode. I don't think you're supposed to like those characters. At least yeah. I, I hope not. But I did <laughs> really... They really rubbed me the wrong way. Sure. Uh, and I, I agree. I thought it was... Okay, and I think what really saved it was kind of the humorous situations and just kind of the 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 writing in that in that sense. the The plot of it is not really anything special. It's just kind of what, like I said, it's one of those more fun episodes. It's not meant to be taken seriously, and in that sense, it's just like I can't be too hard on it. But at the same time, I'm not going to remember it as well as something that they clearly did take a little bit more seriously, like Bully for Binky. All the same, it is you know it, it's fun enough, and I think that it's definitely worth a watch. I just wouldn't put it into like you know the category of like oh immortal Arthur episodes or something like that it's not going to make my top 10 or whatever it is at the end of the season but it's it's it, it it's fine uh, yeah, so there you go. I would uh, pretty much recommend both. You know, recommend di- of different strengths both of the ep- both of these episodes. I think that you're not going to lose anything by checking them out. Of course, finding them wherever it is you can find them. You can purchase Arthur uh, on uh, Amazon. That's that's what I know of for our U.S. listeners. There's a few other options like the new. PBS Kids app, or if you want some of the later seasons on iTunes, or of course, if you have cable, you can just watch it on your local PBS affiliate. I realize that to bring this full circle, we might have discovered two deities in the Arthur <laughs> universe today the Cootie Catcher yeah, and Art, Art Garfunkel. Cat- what a weird show. A Clash of the Titans. <laughs> uh, so next week. Speaking of Immortal Arthur episodes, I can't believe that it took us nearly 24, 25 episodes to get to this one. Next week, it's Arthur's Tooth and DW Gets Lost. 
Now, Arthur's Tooth, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's, that's like first five episodes. No, we're in the like the getting to the mid twenties now. I can't believe that it hasn't happened yet. Arthur can rent a car at this point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. Uh, we really appreciate your uh, continued listenership. If you would like to interact with us, let us tell you the ways on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where you can find the episode, our uh, fun screen caps, and you can uh, leave a rating there, as a couple of our wonderful listeners have as well. I don't have Wi-Fi right now, so we did get another uh, five-star rating on Facebook, and if I could, I would like to shout out the person uh, who gave it to us, so my apologies. Uh, On Twitter, at ECL Podcast, thank you everybody for the likes and retweets. Keep them coming and uh, spread it around. Uh, We've got the... uh Screen caps there. Of course, the 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 mess on Twitter this week was with Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. Oh my goodness, Chrissy that picture's so funny. Chrissy Teigen tweeting out that, uh, well, tweeting out, I don't think it was her meme, but it was a meme of Arthur without his glasses looks like John Legend and kind of having them back and forth. And it's, it's kind of uncanny. Now it's we look- have new casting. John Legend breaking into acting again with La La Land. Uh, now we have new casting for our adult Arthur reboot. I mean, they're doing it with Archie Comics. Why not do a live-action Arthur Netflix series? I, re- I really hope they don't do it the way that Archie Comics is doing it. I, I, l- listen, l- I haven't seen it, so listen, I, listen, I can't say listen, either way. I've seen it all, and I'm going to watch it all. It's real bad, and I'm a bad person for enjoying it. But it's, uh, it's a thing that exists. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you can also follow us, elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. If you've got a Tumblr, we would love to uh, uh, see you over there. Really appreciate all the likes and reblogs. Finally, if you want to get in touch with us, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. A little bit more personally, you can, just like Gareth has. Thank you, Gareth, for your email. Yeah, I love that email. And keep them coming, guys. That's Absol- awesome. Absolutely. And we'll take your email thoughts on anything that we've talked about on the show or the show itself. Finally, you can find us on SoundCloud. Listen over there, soundcloud.com slash elwoodcitylimits, or subscribe on iTunes. If you are subscribing on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. We always appreciate the ratings and reviews. Helps us uh, get seen by that algorithm so that we can reach more lovers of Arthur. Okay. The, the algorithm. It's like the cootie catcher. It's the it's algorithm. Like we, need to, we need to rate to appease the, algor- the iTunes algorithm. Absolutely. Okay, Lucas, anything else? We have to listen to it. It killed my bike. Well, hopefully, if you're making your own cootie catcher, uh, it is as... It is much kinder to you than the one in this episode. Thanks again for listening. My name's Will Young. For my co-host, Lucas Mancini, a happy Lucas, a happy belated Lucas Mancini day to you all. And we will see you next time.